Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance. And it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today because this is more of a personal episode, not really related to body image or self-love in a direct way, but more so me sharing my story because Hanukkah was a little over a week ago. And inspired by that, I posted a little synopsis of my family story and what it means to me to be Jewish. And I'm also Russian and kind of like the strange intersection of those two things. And I really did not expect anybody at all to care, but a lot of people did. And a lot of people responded to my Instagram stories and were like, I learned so much or I would love to learn more and thank you for sharing your story. And it just goes to show how powerful it is for us to share our stories, right? Whether you have it all figured out or not, but just letting yourself be in the midst of it and sharing those little pieces along the way. I think it's just not only is it interesting, but it also is exactly what bonds us together as human beings. It's our stories and being able to relate in one way or another. So today I wanted to share with you my cultural identity. And I won't lie, I actually just recorded about 10 minutes of this episode. And then I deleted all of it because I felt like it wasn't good enough and it wasn't interesting. And I was just kind of rambling about myself. And then I sat here for like five minutes, just literally talking to myself and being like going back and forth between whether or not I should 
create and put this episode out there. First of all, because it feels very vulnerable. I think just talking about family in general feels a little bit scary, but also because, yeah, I don't know if anyone cares, but I did talk myself into it because I decided that, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, stories is how we bond and how we connect. And even if you don't listen to this entire thing, which is totally fine, it's still nice to have it recorded just for me. That way I have my story and where I'm at here in 2021 at 23 years old, written down or recorded orally in oral format. Okay. (laughs) You can tell I'm nervous. So I'm just going to try to let that go and get into it. Basically, I'm Jewish. And when I say that, I think it brings up a lot of questions because I think historically Jews have been expected to be a certain way and to follow this religion that may seem strict to outsiders or because of the fact that Jews are all over the world. There are so many different types of Jews and a lot of people don't know that. I honestly didn't know that until like two or three years ago. So there's a lot that I'm finding out about myself and my ancestry and about my people as a whole. But when I say that I'm Jewish, what I mean is that my mom's side of the family is Jewish. And to us, that's more of an ethnicity rather than a religion. So most people think that being Jewish is a religion and that you follow Judaism and you go to temple or synagogue and that you have a bar bat mitzvah and you light candles on the menorah and you do Shabbat every Friday. And (laughs) these are all things that I do do now. I said do-do. <laughs> These are all things that I do try to do now. However, this has only been recently, like the past not even three years that I've been with my boyfriend because he's Jewish, but he's a different type of Jewish than I am. And his type of Jewish was really able to preserve Jewish culture and traditions, whereas my type of Jewish, and I'll get more into that later, but basically... Being a Russian Jew, we weren't able to preserve our culture and religion. So when I say that I'm Jewish, that is me kind of treating it as an ethnicity because I feel like a responsibility to my ancestors to not let that die down. Do you know what I mean? So I think I spent like probably like 50-50% of my life, like 50% of my life hiding my Jewish ancestry because... I was really scared to get discriminated against, and I did a little bit in elementary school, and I grew up with my mom telling me stories about how Jews were essentially persecuted in Russia and how there were so many opportunities that she didn't get simply because of her last name and because of what she looked like. So I was very much raised with the narrative of don't advertise your Jewish identity, That is literally the exact words that my mom would use is advertise because there's still a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of stereotypes and discrimination that's out there even now and even in the United States. So then this other part of me, however, felt this responsibility to not let that die out and not have that part of my identity hidden and just do that duty to my ancestors and try to learn about it in any way that I could. So I always identified as Jewish. However, if somebody were to ask me, like, where are you from? I would probably explain to them that my family's from Russia and that they immigrated here in 1997. 
But what I usually won't mention right off the bat is that the reason why my family immigrated is because they were Jewish refugees. So this is where it gets complicated. What a lot of people don't know about Russia and Soviet Russia, or as some people like to call it communist Russia, between the years of 1917 to 1990, so from the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917 until the fall apart of the Soviet Union in 1990, under communist rule, because government was so strict, they did not allow religion. And they had what was called this unofficial ban on religion. Now, unofficial just means that it wasn't written down in the law book. However, because the government and all of society was kind of a mess and just really, really strict, and I didn't live it and I didn't really study it too in depth, but from my understanding, you just had to do what you were told and keep your head down. And there was not really such a thing as like following the law because the law, even till this day, it's not super duper explicit. It's kind of like whatever they kind of want to throw you in jail for, they probably could, you know? So one of those things was religion and religion was banned for everybody. A lot of people gathered in their homes secretly, and a lot of people got in trouble for doing that. And I know this even from my dad's side, who was Russian. They're not Jewish. They're like Russian Orthodox. So they were very privileged in that society. However, <laughs> that's kind of a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to put the term privilege on that time because there's not a single person in that country that was privileged between the top like 0.00001% who was probably associated with the government in some dirty ways. But in terms of like who they were, my dad's family is like Russian, but everybody in Russia was like really, really poor, especially after the war and nobody had any food to eat. And my dad, literally, they lived in the streets and drank water out of puddles. Like it was really, really bad. So I grew up on these stories of my dad and my grandparents on his side who also gathered with their church secretly inside their homes and risked getting in trouble. So all of religion was banned, but especially for Jews because anti-Semitism was at an all-time high during communist Russia. And even though some could argue that Russia was friendlier to the Jews than a lot of other European nations, it still was pretty bad. So because of that, my mom's side of the family kind of lost their Jewish identity. My great-grandparents actually changed their names, like literally changed them so that they would sound less Jewish. My great-grandma used to be Sarah was her first name, and she changed it to Sophia. And my great-grandfather, I forgot what his original name was, but he changed it to Simon. And their last name is German. Like, literally, their last name is German, G-E-R-M-A-N. <laughs> and I unfortunately never got a chance to ask them too in-depth as to, like, how did they decide to take on that last name? But the little bits and pieces that I do know is that it was basically trying to save themselves and, like, cover up their name so that they wouldn't be flagged as Jewish. So that's really sad. And because of that, that side of the family, even though we knew that ancestrally, like because of our lineage, we're Jewish, 
we lost all of those Jewish cultures and traditions and everything that goes with that, the religion, the religious part. So for us, being Jewish was just like a part of our identity because it's like in our last name. And then when my grandmother married my grandfather, she took on his last name and he was Jewish too. So my mom's side of the family is like Jewish, but they never expressed it or practiced it. So funny thing is, they didn't even know what a menorah was until they got to the United States. So they didn't start lighting candles on Hanukkah or gathering for Shabbat dinners every Friday or even visiting a temple until years into them being in the United States. So that's kind of a part that's important because I'm little and I'm first generation American. So I grew up being told that I was Jewish by my mom's side of the family, but I never knew what that meant. And at the same time, when my dad came here and because my parents were divorced, he's like Christian basically. So he would take me to Christian church and prayer groups. And there was all this talk about Jesus and God. And my dad is one of those people that's like, he just gets really, really obsessed with something and like devoted, I guess. So religion was such a big part of his life and thus my life when I would come visit him. And I felt like till this day, I can confidently say that I know more about Christianity. Like I've read the Bible in English and Russian because my dad used to make me read it in Russian. I've watched like all of these Bible movies. I know every single like Bible story, especially the most common ones. Bible verses, like all of that is so, so familiar to me because my dad was more adamant on teaching that to me as a Christian than my mom's side of the family was on teaching me Jewish stuff because, again, they were so not used to that growing up in Russia. They didn't even know about that. So I grew up celebrating a lot of Russian national holidays. So for example, instead of Christmas, because that's Christian, they would celebrate in Russia called Novy Gut, which is literally just New Year's on January 1st. And we would still have a Christmas tree, but it was called a New Year's tree. And we had a guy called Grandfather Frost, who is literally Santa Claus, except dressed in blue instead of red. <laughs> and there's a lot of overlap, as you can see. But for me, I think I felt Russian more than anything else. And religious-wise, I knew more about Christianity than I ever knew about Judaism. So that part of me, like the Jewish part of me was always like there, but it felt so unexplained and so complex. And so I would literally have friends in elementary school be like, you're Jewish. And why do you have a Christmas tree when they would come over to my house? Or when do you do presents then? And it's weird because we would do presents on January 1st, because for us, we celebrated New Year's. So we would open presents on January 1st. And it was just like a lot of little things like that throughout my childhood. Nothing crazy that left me traumatized, but it definitely left me feeling like I was really hard to explain. And I think that when you can't put words on something and when you don't know how to answer questions that people ask you all of the time, you begin to just question yourself and doubt yourself and it's just really hard to figure out a lot of these things out because it's so historically complex 
how would a six-year-old even know what to say or how to explain it? I mean, this is stuff that I'm just now figuring out and just now learning to put in words and just now getting clarity on. And now I think it's really interesting because all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. But when you only have like three pieces and somebody wants you to explain or to show them the entire puzzle, it's literally impossible. And it definitely leaves you feeling frustrated. So my college entrance essay, you know, when you have to like write an essay with your college application, I actually wrote about this conundrum and about how I just never really knew what my identity was and never knew how to describe myself and always felt so left out with uh, religious gatherings or being at my friends' houses or when they ask me questions about my family and where they're from and why we all have accents and why I'm wearing the Star of David. And, and when I'm at church with my dad feeling like I don't belong. And then there was a point in my life when I was probably like six or seven, my mom tried to take me to a synagogue because she was also on a journey of trying to figure out what being Jewish meant to her. So she went to like the adult temple and she would send me to like the kids Saturday school that they have at the temple. And for me, I felt so out of place there because there were all these kids that like had these put together families and knew what it meant to be Jewish and knew answers to (laughs) these questions. And I was just kind of there feeling like I did not have a place at all. And like I was totally lost because I wasn't raised with any of this. And when I came to my mom a couple months later saying I don't want to go to temple anymore, she didn't really fight me on it because I'm kind of assuming now that she might have felt the same way in the adult temple. So anyways, my college essay was about this. And I was what, 17 when I wrote that essay as a senior in high school. And even though I didn't have all the answers, I actually didn't have any of the answers. I wrote about the fact that my identity was so complex. I believe the prompt was the question of like, what is your cultural identity? And I think I answered that prompt by saying, hey, I don't have an answer for you yet, but here's a little bit of my background and here's what I'm trying to figure out for myself. I don't know if that's what got me into college. I don't think so, but I was still really proud of that essay because it was the first time that I really embraced not knowing. And I really let myself be okay with just, uh, this is really complicated and (laughs) my whole childhood has been a mess, but I don't think that's anything to be ashamed about. So I'm going to write about it. And that was pretty empowering. I got some great feedback from my English teacher. And even just the act of writing it out was very powerful for me. And it's still an essay that seven years later, I'm really, really proud of. So that's a little tip for you in case you're feeling confused in any area of your life. Sometimes it just helps to write it out because then you kind of air out all the shame that comes with the not knowing. And then you could really, I don't know, you could just be really present in the moment. And when you have something in front of you in writing, it's actually, I I don't know, there's something so empowering about putting words to things that you can't really put words to when they're all bottled up inside your head. So anyways, flash forward to where I'm at today. I'm still figuring stuff out and still learning new things about myself and my roots every single day. But one thing that's helped so much is being with my boyfriend, who is also Jewish. However, he's a different type of Jew. So my family is 
Russian, so we're Russian Jews, and technically we're Ashkenazi Jews, which are basically European Jews. We're kind of like in Eastern Europe, so a lot of Jews from like Poland and Russia and the Ukraine and the Czech Republic, Germany, a lot of Jews on that side of Europe are Ashkenazi Jews. And a lot of Jews that you see that are like lighter skinned and look a little bit more European, I guess, those are usually Ashkenazi, although you should never look at somebody and try to guess <laughs> what they are because that will backfire. But if you see somebody who's Jewish and they have darker features and maybe they almost look Persian to you, which is kind of what boyfriend looks to me, <laughs> is he just has like these darker, more prominent features. Those types of Jews are kind of from the Middle East, and there are so many different types of Jews. So I'm just telling you some of the more common ones. There's a type of Jews called Sephardic. I hope I'm saying that right, but I believe those are Jews from Spain. And there's also a type of Jews called Buharian Jews, and Buharian Jews are from Uzbekistan. Now, Uzbekistan used to be a part of Russia, so this is also really complicated because boyfriend speaks Russian, because his whole family speaks Russian, because Uzbekistan used to be a part of the former Soviet Union. So even though we're different types of Jews, we share so much in common culturally because of the Russian side of things, like the fact that his mom makes all this Russian food and the language and the musicians and just all the media, like everything is just so, so Russian in the household or feels so Russian. However, they're a little bit more Jewish because Uzbekistan, even though it was a part of the former Soviet Union, it wasn't Russia. So it was a little bit more removed or farther away from the capital, I guess. And because of that, people in Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, from my understanding, please do not quote me on this, but from my understanding, they were able to preserve their culture a little bit more because it wasn't as strict. So the Jews had it hard, but not as hard as they did in Russia, like where my mom's side of the family was. However, they lived in the same area as Uzbeks, who are, they're Uzbeks, I guess they're, that's like the whole Middle East. So there was a lot of tension between Middle Easterners and the Uzbeks, who I believe by religion are Muslim, and the Jews who live there, because this community of Jews was a very, very small population, only like maybe 60,000 Jews in that one little area. These days, all of those people fled to either Israel or the United States. So there's barely any Buharian Jews left in that area. And Boyfriend's family was part of that group that came to the United States. And again, a lot of that was due to anti-Semitism. So whether it was anti-Semitism from the Russian people or the Uzbek people that lived there, a lot of people left Russia, the US, the former USSR, and just Europe in general because anti-Semitism was so high there, even 50 years after the war. So this is where it gets interesting for me. Boyfriend's family is Buharian. So when you ask them, where are you from? They will say, I'm a Buharian Jew. They will not say, it took me a really long time to grasp this because to me, I'm like, why don't you just say you're Russian? And my boyfriend would be like, 
because I'm not Russian. I'm so far from Russian. And it took me a, a little bit to really understand that because they grew up with a very strong cultural identity of like, we are Buharian. Even though there weren't many of them, it was such a tight, and it is to this day, such a tight-knit community that most of those people feel very comfortable and confident saying that we're Baharian and we're Jewish and these are our practices and this is how things are done. So they have like a really strong sense of identity. And I really appreciate that because I got to figure out a lot of this stuff for myself. And not only did I get to embrace Jewish culture and even some of the religious traditions that they do, but I also, by trying to figure out what my boyfriend is, this mysterious man that I matched with on Hinge, I essentially started figuring out what I am and what the differences are between our groups and also how we're so, so similar because we're both Jewish, we're just different types of Jews. So anyways, the reason why there's so many different types of Jews is because of something you might have learned in history class called the diaspora. And it's basically the fact that Jews didn't have like a place to call home, like they didn't have their own country for such a long time. They were just dispersed across the entire world. So there's like Argentinian Jews and there's Mexican Jews and there's European Jews and there's Ethiopian Jews and there's literally Jews everywhere. I'm sure there's Jews in in China and India that I probably haven't even heard of. And all over Russia, there's so many Jews. So because they're all so dispersed, every single Jew has such a unique story. And depending on who you ask, they'll tell you or you'll be able to kind of infer whether they identify more with their Jewishness or with the nation where they grew up. So like if you ask somebody who's Jewish in the United States, they might just say, I'm American. Like they might not even identify as Jewish, depending on if, you know, their family emphasized preserving that Jewish culture and all of that fun stuff. So same thing with like me as a Russian Jew, like if you ask me, I think I'm still at a point where I culturally would say like I'm more Russian than anything else because that's just how I was raised. But I will never, ever let go of my Jewish identity. If anything, I'm just learning about it more and learning to embrace it more and learning how to just, I don't know, just belong somewhere, right? It's all about belonging and how we feel about ourselves and how comfortable we are in our own skin. And I think that the cultural and the family stuff and the the religious upbringings, like all of that gets so intertwined into your identity and can really play into your overall self-worth too, right? Like, like I said, when you don't know how to explain yourself or when things just feel like you're like they're a mess or you feel like you don't belong to a particular group or community or family, then of course, it's going to be so, so hard to have that confidence and to feel like there are people who have your back, even if it's just metaphorical. So anyways, I hope this has given you a little insight into my life. I don't know if it was boring or not, but either way, I'm glad I recorded it. And I hope this inspires you to dig a little more into your ancestry too, and see what you find and see what questions or answers that brings about for you. I love you so much. I so greatly appreciate you listening. My voice is literally shaking because I'm really nervous to put this out, but hey, we're going to do it. Love you. Thank you. Bye. 
One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.